You're listening to the St. Mark's Podcast for December 18th, 2022, the fourth Sunday of Advent. Today's sermon was given by the Reverend Elizabeth Carnsey. It's based on Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Well, it's Advent 4. One more week until Christmas, and we're in year A. We've already launched into our new church year and the new lectionary cycle. We're in a three-year lectionary cycle, and year A gives us the Gospel of Matthew. And so, uh, you know, Christmas pageant next weekend will showcase our story in a way that we've all grown up with and come to know and love. Um, But if we only had Matthew as our Gospel, we would be getting babysitters and coming to church alone and having a very grown-up story. (laughs) We would have no shepherds, no heavenly host, no lambs, no donkey, no inn, no stable, no manger. There would be the air of scandal, and there would be talk of divorce, and dreams and warnings, and saving flights into and out of Egypt, and a murderous King Herod, who sets out to kill all the babies under two in order to eliminate this newborn king rumored to him. And so we might have the wise men, we would have the magic star, but this would be a very grown-up tale and not one that we're familiar with right now. So um, I'm reminded when we come to the pageant of that great Native American saying that they would preface their storytelling with, I don't know if things really happen this way, but I know this story is true. And, um, but we, you know, our pageant's beloved. It is, it is as, as Justin said at nine o'clock, food for the soul. And, um, it's, and it is taken from our gospels, but blended, a blending of Luke and Matthew. So Luke and Matthew are the only gospels that give us a birth narrative. And Matthew tells his story in a very particular way. And as you'll note that our gospel this morning starts with verse 18 in Matthew. And um, Matthew, just to back up a second, it's written for a community that's in exile. It's written uh, later, about 80 or 82, after the temple has been destroyed in Jerusalem. And Matthew's community is largely Jewish, and they live in Antioch, the site of the, the, the most popular population of Jews at that time. And many of them have fled from Jerusalem. And these, this group, growing up under Matthew, they, um, they, they followed the Jesus way, but they have not yet left their synagogues. They're Jewish and they know their Jewish scriptures, and they're deeply faithful in their Jewish law and faithful to the prophets, and they are a storytelling people, as the Jewish people are and were. And Matthew is writing for these people, and he is reinterpreting their own story to them in light of Jesus who came and whom they experienced as the reality of God and the holiness of God among them. And so Matthew begins his story in a way that no publisher today would accept. uh, He begins his book with a genealogy. It's too boring to even make it into our lectionary. But there it is, verse one, chapter one, this is the genealogy of Jesus. And -and so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so. Why is Matthew doing this? He's about to introduce the birth story of Jesus, and he gives us this genealogy that leads up to Joseph, who is called the son of Jacob. 
But that isn't the only thing. He includes something that you would never experience in the first century, which is an inclusion of women. And there are four women in the genealogy. All four are Gentiles in the history of the Israel people. And Matthew's including these women as a way of weaving a story for them, weaving a story that's gonna prepare them to hear that Mary is to be found with child and she's not yet wed to Joseph. And what will Joseph do? And so he presents us with these women. Uh, I'll just give them to you because I doubt you're gonna go and read the genealogy, but you might. It's full of uh, these stories of, of women. If you go and find their stories, this, it's like a, you know, the Kardashians of the first century retelling. But um, we, we find Tamar. You know, Tamar had married two brothers and um, one, she married her first husband who died and she married this, the brother who then died and her father-in-law sends her away to cope and make her way on her own. And when she hears that he's coming to her town later, she tricks him into fathering a child with her because that will force him to bring her back into his household. It was a story of struggle and survival and desperation. And uh, there she was, but she gave birth to an important child in the story, which was Perez, who went on to become great-great-grandfather of David. And the next woman in this uh, genealogy is Rahab, the prostitute, the Canaanite woman who um, saves and protects the spies sent in by Joshua to Canaan to survey the land as they're about to conquer it. And in return, she asked for protection for herself and her family. And she ends up marrying one of the Israelites. And, um, and she gives birth to an important person, to Boaz. And then Boaz uh, becomes the person who saves Ruth and her mother-in-law. You know, Ruth and, Boa Ruth and Naomi have become widows, and they have no choice but to go and live off the land as gleaners. And because Boaz is a law-abiding Israelite, he, he saves some crops for the, the gleaners who come along. And there's Ruth, and Boaz notices Ruth, and she tricks him into marrying her. She comes to him under cover of night, and he has to wake up and find her in his bed. And, you know, it's not a perfect story of, of holiness, but she does what she has to do. And, <laughs> and she gives birth to a very important child in the story. And Ruth, uh, she becomes the father of Obed. And Obed is the father of Jesse, and Jesse is the father of David. And the final fourth woman in this genealogy is Bathsheba, of course known for the adultery that David commits. And she gives birth to his son Solomon. And <clears throat> again, not a, not a story for children. And <clears throat> so what is Matthew doing? Matthew is establishing that God has been all along drawing God's will out of every crooked situation. And God can work through any human distortion, any human sin, any broken story or community. God will have God's will done. And holiness can come out of everyone, no matter what. And this is how Matthew introduces his story of Mary becoming, coming to be found with child and child of the Holy Spirit. And there's Joseph, her hapless fiance. And what is he to do? And he has he resolves to divorce her quietly and not expose her to public uh, scandal. 
Um, but then he has a dream. So here we come again to Matthew, the very Jewish writer, the very uh, good, wonderful midrashic storyteller who's weaving the story within the other stories of his people and interpreting Jesus back to them as God come to be with them. And he, this angel tells Joseph in a dream that you will, you will marry, you should marry, you should take Mary as your wife and not be afraid. And you'll name him Jesus because Jesus saves his people from their sins. And he brings forward this message from Isaiah that there will be a sign of a woman who will be with child and he will be called Emmanuel because God is with us. And so we have this community of Matthew whose temple has just been destroyed. They're covered in the ash of their loss and their bereft situation where they're rebuilding. When what message do they want more than God is with us? And who, do they, who does God send uh, but Joseph? And Joseph, we have already discovered, is the son of a Jacob. In Luke, has, Luke has his own genealogy. They thought that was a good idea to put the genealogies in there. But Luke has a different name of a father for Joseph. So in Matthew, he has this particular purpose of saying this Joseph is the son of Jacob. And if you remember your Sunday school days and learning about Joseph and his many colored coat, Joseph is the favored son of Jacob in the Old Testament. And he's the son of Rachel, um, Jacob's beloved wife. And uh, Jacob has two wives. Leah is the, the less favored wife, and she gives birth to sons that include Judah. And the history of Israel is always tension between the line coming from Rachel and the line coming from Leah. And Judah is the one that had sold J Joseph into slavery in Egypt. And, you know, the, the scandal of that story. But Joseph was a righteous boy and a righteous man, and he rose through the ranks in Egypt. And here in the New Testament, we have this Joseph who's called a just and righteous man, the son of Jacob, just and righteous. And he, it's no accident that his name is Joseph and that he rises up this way. And in the Old Testament, Joseph, he's a dreamer. He has dreams, he taunts his brothers, and he interprets the dreams of the Pharaoh. He interprets dreams of his fellow Egyptians in, in Egypt. And here in the New Testament, we have a Joseph whom God communicates with through dreams. And God sends the angel to Joseph in a dream to tell him to not be afraid and to take Mary as his wife. And we also have a Joseph who has the spirit of compassion and forgiveness. And his Old Testament namesake, Joseph, he's, he's, a, he's a brother who ends up saving all of his brothers, including Judah and he has a spirit of forgiveness for his brothers. And so Matthew is encouraging his community that remember our ancestor Joseph. This is the spirit in which Jesus comes into the world. And Joseph um, will have more dreams in this New Testament story of Matthew. He'll, he'll have dreams to take Mary and Jesus to Egypt, a saving trip in and out of Egypt, and he will save him from this murderous King Herod. It would be crazy to tell a Jew to go find safety in Egypt, which, which is only a symbol of misery and slavery for their people. But in this case, it's a saving story. So Joseph models the church in Matthew. Joseph is an icon for all of us who are called to give this kind of response to Jesus, to not be afraid, 
to welcome him into our lives, to follow closely to the word of the Holy Spirit, however it comes to us, and to know that whatever temple in our lives has crumbled, whatever we thought would never go away, any sort of um, loss and destruction, and when we find ourselves in an ash heap of needing to rebuild and re begin again, uh, we get the same message that was given to Joseph, that Emmanuel has come and God is with us. This is a story for the first century Methian community and it is very much, just as much a story for us today. Because in the humanity of Jesus, the reality of God with us is confronted and engaged with and met in a new way. And Matthew is not writing about biology. He's writing about a new humanity and an expanded consciousness. And he, he's telling us that God is with us in the beginning and God is with us in the middle of our lives and God is with us through to the end of our lives. And that is how the Gospel of Matthew begins. It's how the Gospel of Matthew will end, that Jesus is with us always, even to the end of the ages. No matter what temple has fallen and crumbled in our lives, large or small, Emmanuel, God, is with us. Amen. You can find more sermons on our website, www.stmarksnewcanaan.org.